Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hitherto, the settlers had nothing to complain of. Their adversaries had certainly had the worst of it. The latter already counted four men seriously wounded, if not dead. They, on the contrary, unwounded, had not missed a shot. If the pirates continued to attack them in this way, if they renewed their attempt to land by means of a boat, they could be destroyed one by one. It was now seen how advantageous the engineers' arrangements had been. The pirates would think that they had to deal with numerous and well-armed adversaries, whom they could not easily get the better of. Half an hour passed before the boat having to pull against the current, could get alongside the speedy. Frightful cries were heard when they returned on board with the wounded, and two or three guns were fired, with no results. But now about a dozen other convicts, maddened with rage, and possibly by the effect of the evening's potations, threw themselves into the boat. A second boat was also lowered, in which eight men took their places, and while the first pulled straight for the islet, to dislodge the colonists from thence, the second maneuvered so as to force the entrance of the Mercy. The situation was evidently becoming very dangerous for Pencroft and Ayrton, and they saw that they must regain the mainland. However, they waited till the first boat was within range, when two well-directed balls threw its crew into disorder. Then Pencroft and Ayrton, abandoning their posts, under fire from the dozen muskets, ran across the island at full speed, jumped into their boat, crossed the channel at the moment the second boat reached the southern end, and ran to hide themselves in the chimneys. They had scarcely rejoined Cyrus Harding and Herbert before the islet was overrun with pirates in every direction. Almost at the same moment fresh reports resounded from the Mercy Station, to which the second boat was rapidly approaching. Two out of the eight men who manned her were mortally wounded by Gideon Spilett and Neb, and the boat herself, carried irresistibly on to the reefs, was stove in at the mouth of the Mercy. But the six survivors, holding their muskets above their heads to preserve them from contact with the water, managed to land on the right bank of the river. Then, finding they were exposed to the fire of the ambush there, they fled in the direction of Flotsam Point, out of range of the balls. The actual situation was this. On the islet were a dozen convicts, of whom some were no doubt wounded, but who had still a boat at their disposal. On the island were six, but who could not by any possibility reach Granite House, as they could not cross the river, all the bridges being raised. "'Hallo!' 
exclaimed Pencroft, as he rushed into the chimneys. "'Hallo, Captain! What do you think of it now?' "'I think,' answered the engineer, "'that the combat will now take a new form, for it cannot be supposed that the convicts will be so foolish as to remain in a position so unfavourable for them.' "'They won't cross the channel,' said the sailor. "'Ayrton and Mr. Spilett's rifles are there to prevent them. You know that they carry more than a mile.' "'No doubt.' replied Herbert. But what can two rifles do against the brig's guns? Well, the brig isn't in the channel yet, I fancy, said Pencroft. But suppose she does come there, said Harding. That's impossible, for she would risk running aground and being lost. It is possible, said Ayrton. The convicts might profit by the high tide to enter the channel, with the risk of grounding at low tide, it is true, but then, under the fire from her guns, our posts would be no longer tenable. "'Confound them!' exclaimed Pencroft. "'It really seems as if the blackguards were preparing to weigh anchor.' "'Perhaps we should be obliged to take refuge in Granite House,' observed Herbert. "'We must wait,' answered Cyrus Harding. "'But Mr. Spilett and Neb?' said Pencroft. They will know when it is best to rejoin us. Be ready, Ayrton. It is yours and Spilett's rifles which must speak now. It was only too true. The Speedy was beginning to weigh her anchor, and her intention was evidently to approach the islet. The tide would be rising for an hour and a half, and the ebb current, being already weakened, it would be easy for the brig to advance. But as to entering the channel, Pencroft, contrary to Ayrton's opinion, could not believe that she would dare to attempt it. In the meanwhile, the pirates who occupied the islet had gradually advanced to the opposite shore, and were now only separated from the mainland by the channel. Being armed with muskets alone, they could do no harm to the settlers, in ambush at the chimneys and the mouth of the Mercy, but, not knowing the latter to be supplied with long-range rifles, they on their side did not believe themselves to be exposed. Quite uncovered, therefore, they surveyed the islet and examined the shore. Their illusion was of short duration. Ayrton's and Gideon Spilett's rifles then spoke, and no doubt imparted some very disagreeable intelligence to two of the convicts, for they fell backwards. Then there was a general helter-skelter. The ten others, not even stopping to pick up their dead or wounded companions, fled to the other side of the islet tumbled into the boat which had brought them, and pulled away with all their strength. Eight less!' exclaimed Pencroft. "'Really, one would have thought that Mr. Spillett and Ayrton had given the word to fire together.' "'Gentlemen,' said Ayrton, as he reloaded his gun, "'this is becoming more serious. The brig is making sail.' "'The anchor is weighed!' exclaimed Pencroft. "'Yes, and she is already moving.' In fact, they could distinctly hear the creaking of the windlass. The speedy was at first held by her anchor. Then, when that had been raised, she began to drift towards the shore. The wind was blowing from the sea. The jib and the fore-topsail were hoisted, and the vessel gradually approached the island. From the two posts of the Mercy and the Chimneys they watched her without giving a sign of life, but not without some emotion. What could be more terrible for the colonists than to be exposed, at a short distance, to the brig's guns, 
without being able to reply with any effect. How could they then prevent the pirates from landing? Cyrus Harding felt this strongly, and he asked himself what it would be possible to do. Before long he would be called upon for his determination. But what was it to be? To shut themselves up in Granite House, to be besieged there, to remain there for weeks, for months even, since they had an abundance of provisions? So far good, but after that! The pirates would not the less be masters of the island, which they would ravage at their pleasure, and in time they would end by having their revenge on the prisoners in Granite House. However, one chance yet remained. It was that Bob Harvey, after all, would not venture his ship into the channel, and that he would keep outside the islet. He would be still separated from the coast by half a mile, and at that distance his shot could not be very destructive. "'Never!' repeated Pencroft. "'Bob Harvey will never, if he is a good seaman, enter that channel. He knows well that it would risk the brig if the sea got up ever so little. And what would become of him without his vessel?' In the meanwhile the brig approached the islet, and it could be seen that she was endeavouring to make the lower end. The breeze was light, and as the current had then lost much of its force, Bob Harvey had absolute command over his vessel. The route previously followed by the boats had allowed her to reconnoitre the channel, and she boldly entered it. The pirate's design was now only too evident. He wished to bring her broadside to bear on the chimneys, and from there to reply with shell and ball to the shot which had till then decimated her crew. Soon the Speedy reached the point of the islet. She rounded it with ease. The mainsail was braced up, and the brig, hugging the wind, stood across the mouth of the Mercy. "'The scoundrels! They are coming!' said Pencroft. At that moment Cyrus Harding, Ayrton, the sailor, and Herbert were rejoined by Neb and Gideon Spilett. The reporter and his companion had judged it best to abandon the post at the Mercy, from which they could do nothing against the ship, and they had acted wisely. It was better that the colonists should be together at the moment when they were about to engage in a decisive action. Gideon Spillett and Neb had arrived by dodging behind the rocks, though not without attracting a shower of bullets, which had not, however, reached them. "'Spillett! Neb!' cried the engineer. You are not wounded? No, answered the reporter. A few bruises only from the ricochet. But that cursed brig has entered the channel. Yes, replied Pencroft, and in ten minutes she will have anchored before Granite House. Have you formed any plans, Cyrus? asked the reporter. We must take refuge in Granite House while there is still time, and the convicts cannot see us. That is my opinion, too replied Gideon Spilett, but once shut up. We must be guided by circumstances, said the engineer. Let us be off, then, and make haste, said the reporter. Would you not wish, Captain, that Ayrton and I should remain here? asked the sailor. What would be the use of that, Pencroft? replied Harding. No, we will not separate. There was not a moment to be lost. The colonists left the chimneys. A bend of the cliff prevented them from being seen by those in the brig, but two or three reports, and the crash of bullets on the rock, 
told them that the Speedy was at no great distance. To spring into the lift, hoist themselves up to the door of Granite House, where Top and Jupe had been shut up since the evening before, to rush into the large room was the work of a minute only. It was quite time, for the settlers, through the branches, could see the Speedy, surrounded with smoke, gliding up the channel. The firing was incessant, and shot from the four guns struck blindly, both on the Mercy Post, although it was not occupied, and on the chimneys. The rocks were splintered, and cheers accompanied each discharge. However, they were hoping that Granite House would be spared, thanks to Harding's precaution of concealing the windows, when a shot, piercing the door, penetrated into the passage. "'We are discovered!' exclaimed Pencroft. The colonists had not, perhaps, been seen, but it was certain that Bob Harvey had thought proper to send a ball through the suspected foliage which concealed that part of the cliff. Soon he redoubled his attack, when another ball, having torn away the leafy screen, disclosed a gaping aperture in the granite. The colonists' situation was desperate. Their retreat was discovered. They could not oppose any obstacle to these missiles, nor protect the stone which flew in splinters around them. There was nothing to be done but to take refuge in the upper passage of Granite House, and leave their dwelling to be devastated, when a deep roar was heard, followed by frightful cries. Cyrus Harding and his companion rushed to one of the windows. The brig, irresistibly raised on a sort of water-spout, had just split in two, and in less than ten seconds she was swallowed up with all her criminal crew. End of chapter.